The PWI 500 list is out, and Roman Reigns is number one. Meanwhile, John Moxley, who you would think would be in the top three, didn't even make the top ten. We also see Kenny Omega for the first time since his supposed suspension from AEW after everything that happened at All Out. We'll talk about that and some other news next on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, let's start it off with the PWI 500. Roman Reigns acknowledged finally by the list as the number one wrestler in the world. Yes, it's a kayfabe list, guys. So if there's better in-ring wrestlers, I'm sure you could tell me in the comment section. But Roman Reigns is number one. Kazuchika Okada, number two. CM Punk, number three. John Moxley, number 12. A lot of people thought he could be in the conversation for number one with Roman Reigns, but he doesn't even make the top 10. Your thoughts on Moxley's position, Roman Reigns, and the top 10 as a whole? Well, every year I feel like people get all up in arms because, you know, somebody's always pointing the finger, saying this one should be higher. Why is this one number one? Why this ranking? So there's that. And then there's also the criteria. You know, I know this is given between like some obscure time, like what, June to June or something like that. Right. And now it's, we're in it, September. So, right. It's June of the previous year to June of this year is the, is the, is the range of evaluation. Yeah. So so, I mean, there's a lot, because I know some people are going to bring up the fact that Roman Reigns did have a little bit of a hiatus, which is true. But when you look at the top 10, a lot of them had well, some type, some time off in between. And this is funny because one of the reasons that Moxley didn't make the top 10, as brought up by someone from PWI, is because John Moxley had his hiatus, you know, with his rehab stint. So, number 10 is Jonathan Gresham who obviously did not wrestle as much because Ring of Honor was not existent for half the year. Big E, who got hurt after that injury sustained after, you know, Rich Holland dropped him on his head. El Hio del Vikingo, even though I'll admit I don't watch AAA, but I know he had a good year uh, in AAA. Brian Danielson, number seven, a guy John Moxley beat during the evaluation period. Cody Rhodes, who, you know, did not wrestle for two months because of leaving AEW, signing with WWE, debuting at WrestleMania. But then at the tail end of this evaluation period, he tore his pectoral muscle. So he was not wrestling for the last month of the evaluation period. Bobby Lashley's number five. And I think he did. He missed a little bit of time early on in the evaluation period after Biggie cashed in on him, but pretty much was on most of the year. Hangman Page, I think, is the only person that was on TV consistently out of everybody in the top 10. CM Punk is number three, who, yeah, he was on TV, but wrestled very sporadically, even though he did win. Kazuchika Okada, number two. I mean, I'm not going to argue that. And of course, Roman Reigns, even though you don't argue with him with number one, he also had a hiatus at the end of the evaluation period where after WrestleMania, you know, he had the the six-man tag for Backlash, but then didn't really show up much on TV that tail end of the evaluation period. So I think the explanation that PWA gave of, oh, Moxley took time off is kind of bullshit. I'm not going to lie. I think Moxley should be, I thought he was in the top three. I mean, I could see Punk. I could see Hangman Page. 
Lashley, yes, but I think Moxley had better years than all of them. Moxley, Moxley definitely surprised me. That stood out. The other one, and again, you have to go back and look at like what they did in the given time period. And and I think everybody has a tendency to do like this recency bias because of cur- what's currently going on, like right now when we're kind of mm-hmm. getting this list. But Seth Rollins to me has had an amazing year, and I don't the know. The problem with the problem with it is it's a kayfabe list, so wins and losses matter. And if you look. The only pay-per-view win Rollins had was the win by disqualification against Roman at the Royal Rumble. He so lost a losses, lot of times. So I get wins and losses that, matter. Yeah, What's the criteria? That, there's like five different criteria. And I know wins and losses is typically like the biggest part of the criteria. So if, Ro- if Seth is losing a lot of these matches... It's kind of hard not to put him in that spot in the top 10. I mean, the fact that he was 17, despite all these losses, just goes to show how good of a year he really had. You know, he had great matches. So match quality was part of this. Yes. But it doesn't outweigh the losses that he's had. Trying to find the criteria. But no, I, I, I get it. And, you know, I think every every year when these get released, I think everybody has the same reaction because... You know, like you said, it's a, it's kind of like a kayfabe list. It's it is what it is. So mm-hmm. the, the thing is, though, they can't say it's biased against WWE or biased towards AEW anymore because Roman Reigns no. was number one, and you had Big E at number nine. You had you had Cody, which yeah, I get it. The last month, two months of the evaluation period, he was in WWE, but he's number six, and I get I guarantee. A huge part of that was because of the three matches he had with Seth Rollins. Bobby Lashley's number five. So I think there's more people from WWE in the top 10, including number one, than there were AEW or any other promotion. So that whole conversation of, oh, these lists are biased against WWE and and they're biased towards AEW. Kind of put that to rest here. Thank God, because that's what these always turn into, unfortunately. Yep. but. You know, we talk about Roman Reigns. You know, he's been champion for two years plus now. And it seems like no end is in sight. And we got a report from WrestleVotes this week that they want to have two top champions on, you know, each brand. But they also don't want Roman Reigns to lose until at least WrestleMania. So they're in this catch-22 situation where they don't know who is going to take one of those titles off of Roman and how they're going to get it off. But they, they don't have any plans in place, but they're talking about it. So the question is, do you split the titles up? How do you split the titles up? And who do you give one of those titles to? Who's the one that gives Roman Reigns that loss? Or how do you go about it getting one of those titles off of him? I don't think they should split the titles. I I like the fact that right now you can watch Raw, and yeah, I think that Roman can show up there a little bit more often, but there's good stories that are going on without a title being involved. Now, that being said, I think that if they truly want to introduce another champion, they shouldn't have it where Roman loses a title but keeps another title because... You know, when Roman's going to lose, he should lose and that's it. Like the title should be handed to somebody else. And that person is now the recognized undisputed champion, whatever you want to call it. 
it will be more meaningful that way. You know, if Cody Rhodes is a guy that beats him, but it's kind of like, okay, Cody, you only get one title. Yeah, it's still meaningful, but it's like, it's not like saying you're the universal champion. You beat Rome. It's just like you beat Roman, but he's still a champ. I think they should take those two titles, get rid of them, have a brand new title and a new undisputed title complete, look completely different, different feel. If you want to introduce another title, maybe a couple months after WrestleMania or something like that, assuming, you know, Roman, Roman loses her at that point, you know, do some type of tournament or something, crown another champion, create a new title, do it that way. Don't just have it where Roman drops the title to somebody. I will say this until the brand split ends. One champion goes on both shows. One heavyweight champion, one tag team champion, one women's champion, one women's tag team champion that go on both shows. And then you have the U.S. title be Raw exclusive and the IC title be SmackDown exclusive. And then those could be your TV titles that get defended. Exactly like we're seeing now with Gunther and SmackDown and Bobby Lashley on, on Raw. And Roman Reigns can one month challenge against a SmackDown talent, and then the next time he wrestles, it's against the Raw talent and build the storylines. It does not matter. And I know people say this. Oh, the networks want one champion on both shows. If Bobby Lashley is a fighting champion and they treat the U.S. title like it's the top title on Raw, the U.S. network will not give a shit if it means better ratings. Exactly. That's if the numbers it, are good, they don't give a shit if they have they a champion. They don't care. The reason why they were the reports were there to begin with was, A, Roman wasn't showing up on both shows. And you think the person that will eventually beat him will do that, will be on both shows. And if you have a fighting Intercontinental Champion in Gunther and a fighting, inter, a fighting U.S. Champion in Lashley defending at least every other week or close to it, and they're drawing good ratings, Fox and USA Network don't care. And I know people are going to say, all the networks want this. It's a foregone conclusion. They want this, so they're going to get it. No, what they want is better ratings. They don't care how they get them. You could argue with me in the comment section all you want, but one world champion, one tag team champion, one women's champion, one women's tag team champion, and then those two mid-card titles. And if anybody wants to ask why I say no women's mid-card titles, it's just because simply the women's division isn't quite deep enough yet. You get it deep enough, add women's mid-card titles to it too. That could be similar to the IC and US titles for Raw and SmackDown. Let's move over to AEW. And, you know, we talk about the uh, PWI 500 and the guy that topped Roman Reigns last year was Kenny Omega. And obviously he is... Not on AEW right now after what happened at All Out and that altercation. Turns out that, you know, he's taken time to go to Japan. He was supposed to do something involving the AEW video game, but that didn't happen, obviously, because of his suspension. But he did do some stuff with Sega Studios and took pictures on Instagram showing what he was doing there. But also on Twitter, we see that he is reunited with his golden lover teammate, Kota Ibushi. And we haven't really heard much from Kota Ibushi since his fallout with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Don't really know the status of him in New Japan Pro Wrestling, but perhaps Kenny Omega is doing some recruiting like, hey, 
I might be under suspension, but once I'm back, maybe you could come back with me, Coda. What do you say? I'm surprised that he hasn't wound up anywhere yet. I would I would think a likely landing spot for him probably would have been AEW, but you know, hasn't happened just yet. I don't know. It's kind of interesting, I guess, to a certain extent, or it could just be totally just I need to get away. I need to get my head right, and I'm I'm taking some time for myself. Kenny loves Japan. He really does. I mean, I I feel like if if there wasn't an AEW. He would have re-signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling, even if the Bucks went to WWE. Japan to him is like his second home behind Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. So I really didn't see him coming back to the States unless it was for AEW here. So maybe, you know, this was just his way of, like you said, getting away from everything and decompressing. And yeah, he was supposed to be in Japan to kind of promote the, the video game, but obviously that couldn't happen due to his suspension, but he's making, you know, positive times out of this negative situation. So we'll see how, you know, this progresses, but some people that were suspended because of this were Pat Buck and Brandon Cutler. And we find out that they actually had their suspensions lifted as part of the investigation is going on. They feel like they weren't that involved. So their suspended was lifted and they were back to work this past Wednesday on dynamite. So Maybe we're getting closer and closer to what actually happened backstage and what ultimately will be the foregone conclusion of what's happening with the elite and what's happening with CM Punk. Between everything we've heard, whether some parts of it are true, some parts are untrue, all of the rumors, everything involved in it. I think it's good that, you know, we're hopefully kind of getting past it. Look, the numbers were good for Dynamite. So it's pretty obvious, like whatever the case may be, Seems like AEW is going to be just fine with whoever they have right now. You know, building building a show around MJF, Moxley, uh, Brian Danielson, whoever else. I, if you want to throw, I don't know, the acclaimed in there as like the young up and coming tag team. They're do, they're gonna they're set themselves up in a spot where they have enough guys that people are clearly interested in it. That being said, you know it wouldn't hurt to get the Bucks back. It wouldn't hurt to have Kenny back. Wouldn't hurt to get Punk back. It's just do they want to come back? Can everybody play nice? It, it seems like we probably could get a good idea of what happened backstage if only someone had a camera following the Young Bucks around that could tape what happened and then put it on the internet on some reality-based vlog. I mean, this would all be settled right now, but apparently we can't get that. And obviously for legal reasons, we're not getting that, but we found out this week that that vlog known as Being the Elite is on hiatus until further notice. Do you feel like once that everything, the dust is settled and being the elites back on that first episode is going to reveal everything that happened backstage. And this all was a work with punk. And eventually it's going to be punk and FTR versus the elite in some trios storyline. It could be. I think there's too much, too much behind the scenes lingo that's involved in this. Like, about going into business for himself and all these types of things. Yeah, there's a lot of personal things that were talked about, including, you know, uh, Colt Cabana and all those types of things, like stuff that you wouldn't expect to be brought up. Because at that, it's one thing to kind of blur the lines between like a feud of what's real and what's not real or whatever. But they're if, if this is a work of some sort, it's literally in my mind, like they're almost alluding to the backstage stuff is real. Everything else you see is just kind of phony. I guess I see where you're coming from with that. I mean, I feel like this is not a work. Like what happened? I don't know the full story, but obviously they don't like each other for whatever reason. And 
led to this. And if it means all this is for Cole Cabana, all this is for Cole Cabana, which I mean, yeah, Cole Cabana is a human being, so I get it. And he's friends with the Bucks. He's friends with Kenny. He's friends with Hangman Page or whatever. So I get where this whole thing came from. It just seems so weird that at the media scrum, Punk just blurted this out. No one asked him a question about it. He just went off on this tangent. You would think a journalist kind of sets him up to cut that promo, but no, he just kind of says it. So he kind of goes into business for himself. And then in that same, if you want to call it promo, yells about how Hangman Page went to business for himself. So he's kind of being a hypocrite. It's just a weird, weird thing. And that's what I'm saying. If this whole thing is going to be a work and then Punk's up there talking about going into business for yourself, you're essentially saying to the fans, like, everything that you watch on Dynamite isn't as important as the stuff that is going on right here, back behind the scenes, and saying, like, you know, oh, Hangman went into business for himself. So it's kind of like admitting to the fans, like, you know, that wasn't supposed to happen because Mm -hmm. everything is predetermined and he went off script. And that's that's where you got to kind of I think draw the line. You don't want to suggest that it's not real or it's not important. Even if this is a work, you know, it, it, there was a lot of damage control that had to be done. They didn't come out of this looking good. Tony looked really bad in this whole thing to a lot of people. Punk mm-hmm. looked really bad. The, the, everybody looks bad in this whole situation right now. So it's not like any good has come out of this yet. If it's a work, you know, Kenny Omega, Maybe ruffling some feathers with CM Punk, but he's not the only person that has some issues with Kenny Omega. Another person is Will Ospreay, and they've been going back and forth on Twitter. We know the little back the back and forth that they had a couple weeks ago after Dynamite went off the air. Will Ospreay recently spoke with Monthly Poduresu and talked about, obviously, Kenny Omega and a possible one-on-one match, and he said that he knows... One-on-one, it would be a fantastic bout, he being Kenny Omega. I could tell you enough how much I enjoy battering him after everything. The two sides of me are saying, I got the last laugh, leaving him and the Bucks laying in AEW, so I really don't care. But the other side says, we are both still able to put on those amazing matches still. I'll almost be stupid not to want to face him, see which one of us has the drive to pick up the win. So it seems like we're getting closer and closer to a possible Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega match when Omega eventually comes back to wrestling after this suspension. The question is, does it happen in AEW or does it happen in New Japan? I almost feel like it might even be a bigger deal if it happens in New Japan. Put AEW in the fans Tokyo Dome? It. Yeah, I mean, look, Kenny, Kenny going back to New Japan, I think would be a really big deal in Japan. We've seen Will Ospreay in AEW. I mean, fans were just kind of like, yeah, they like him. Yeah, they appreciate him. They think he's good. But what is that? Like, he's not he's not an AEW guy. And I think I think a lot of AEW fans, myself included, just want to see them have their own guys be focal points of storylines and stop bringing guys in from outside. Like the last Mm -hmm. thing I think Kenny Omega needs to do is feud with somebody from outside AEW. Come back, have a meaningful feud with somebody, get your footing back underneath you. And do that, you know, but if he, if they're going to do it, do it in New Japan. If they do it, don't just bring in Will Ospreay for a week and then go, oh my God, we're getting Will Ospreay versus yeah. Kenny Omega next week. Actually build it. 
Like if it's going to be a match at full gear or, or revolution, have the build start, say it's revolution, right? You start a little bit of the build here and there, sprinkle it throughout full gear. Let it go through Wrestle Kingdom. Have Kenny Omega attack Will Ospreay after Wrestle Kingdom. You have that back and forth again and show the, the attack from Wrestle Kingdom on Dynamite that following Wednesday. And then you start the build towards Revolution. And it's not just, oh, one week. And then, oh, who's Will Ospreay? Now he's wrestling Kenny Omega. Yeah. You know, and I think that's part of the reason why AEW floundered so much in the ratings or you know, barely kept their head above water in the ratings. But now that they've kind of focused back to just doing the what's in AEW stays in AEW, the ratings have shown to work. Just stick to what you have. Don't go outside the box. Do you, do you, you remember know? when everyone, and it's so funny to think back on this because we were the one of the few, I maybe even one of the only ones that dare to say something like this on our own show, when Kenta showed up and we were kind of like, eh, and everybody was treating it like, oh my God, this forbidden door. You had major stars come over from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Nobody's talking about forbidden door anymore. That didn't have this major shift and in influence and have this foundation of pro wrestling change. Like, it's still the same. AEW is better off without doing these things. I get it. They want to work with everybody. On a on a limited basis, it's okay, but you brought in literally the champion in Jay White, who is amazing, and it was for a couple weeks. Come on, build your own guys mm-hmm. up. You got enough talent. Wardlow's got put was been put on the back burner because of that. FTR, like, let's close out with Hangman Adam Page, who obviously has maybe started this whole thing between CM Punk and the Elite and because of going into business for himself on an episode of Dynamite, he recently went out to Instagram and put over members of the Dark Order, members of the Elite, in this very heartfelt post where he said, after you get famous, you stop growing, you don't have to, in quotes. After being an even small part of the movement with the Elite and our subsequent falling out, I was afraid of stagnation. I was happy, fulfilled, and getting a good paycheck, but without anyone to push me further. During Brody's illness, I was scared to move forward with these guys, but we all still felt with the right thing to do. I could never say enough about all the Dark Order, John's jokes, and then he brought up Alex Reynolds, who I guess they had kids five days apart, so they're like dad friends. You also have Evil Uno, who self-deprecating jokes he really liked. Talked about Alan Angel's small you know, thing down there. Stu, uh, Stu Grayson never being complacent. Obviously he left AEW cause he's betting on himself now. And of course, Cole Cabana for being a fountain of wisdom and saying to me the most self-affirming words I've ever heard. I owe a lot of my career to Matt, Nick and Kenny. I owe as much of these guys too. Thank you for helping me continue to grow. What do you make of this Instagram post? This, this is a very interesting post to have here. Sounds like somebody has been released. Do you like think Hangman Page goodbye. got released? No, no. I mean, I'm sure some could draw the conclusion from this, but I don't know what to make of this. Maybe he was just had one too many whiskeys. Was feeling a little emotional. Happens to the best of us. Maybe. Maybe he's 
you know, trying to do a kayfabe tweet here, or not tweet, Instagram post where, you know, he has his ties with the elite and appreciates what they did, but his friends are the Dark Order now. And I'm sure Reynolds, Hangman, and John Silver are going to go after those trios championships once all this is settled and Hangman Page is, you know, back on TV regularly. I know he was in the tournament, but lost, obviously, to Brian Danielson. But when Kenny and the Bucks come back, assuming this stuff with CM Punk is not a work, which I'm leaning towards it wasn't, Hangman Page and the Dark Order versus the Elite 2 ends up happening. And this is just him kind of telling the story through social media, which, if that's the case, I'm all fine with. I think wrestlers need to use social media more to progress their storylines. I don't think it should be the like the forefront of the storytelling and be like, make it feel like I have to do homework to do to understand it. But if Tony Schiavone wants to, you know, put this up on dynamite or rampage in the next week to tell the story of the dark order and the elite and hangman page where he's at and you know, what's next for him after all out. It's a good storyline nugget here. Tony Schiavone could give one of his patented most generic calls. Boy, that's a special statement. Do you think? <laughs> Boy, he's special. Golly, That's this is That's all you great. got out of that. <laughs> Compelling and rich. But... <laughs> so prophetic. I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting post, and we'll see if this really develops into something on screen, or if this is something related to backstage. But let us know what you guys think of what was going on with hangman page in that post who do you think should have topped the pwi 500 where do you think moxley should have been on there let us know in the comments below or send us a tweet at scpb podcast subscribe to this channel hit that bell for notifications and we'll see you on the next episode of the squared circle psychobabble